Hey there, welcome. This is Daniel M. from Beulah Alliance Church. As we open up the scriptures together, I hope this helps you know Jesus deeply and be known by him fully. Enjoy the message. Wow, it's great to be with you and uh, both at West and our uh, online uh, watchers that you're here and part of the online congregation for our uh, various sites. Thrilled that you're able to be with us and watch us at the beginning of winter. And I shouldn't have even mentioned it, but uh, I'm still not used to it. I think I got my first winter cold. You know, I didn't take any days. I'm blaming the grandkids. They must have given it to me, but I think we'll be okay. I love this church, and I love you. I am so thrilled to be able to be with you. Uh, I love Pastor Daniel, and I'm so thrilled to see what's happening. I was about his age when I became lead pastor a long time ago, apparently. And, uh, And I gotta say something. The church loved us, listened to us, prayed for us, encouraged us, came alongside, and, and I knew my need for Jesus, but I, it was a great privilege to serve you, and I see you doing that with Daniel, so, so thrilled to see God's hand on the church and on his ministry. I know that he and Christina are at a, a retreat this weekend, they're speakers, and so we wanted to just trust that Jesus will anoint them, not only in what they present, but just also a great time together as they do that, so it's great to be with you. You're in a series on Uh, knowing Jesus. If you've got your Bible, I'd encourage you to use your app because this is such a powerful passage. It's taken from Philippians chapter three. When I got these verses, I thought, oh good, I got these verses. I was thrilled to be able to speak about it. To give you a bit of backdrop, this is a a passage that's written by the Apostle Paul and uh, a lot of you know him, maybe some of you don't. You're thinking, what's so great about this guy? Uh, Paul the Apostle, I mean, he was like the super apostle. If he had a LinkedIn account, can you imagine what they would write about the Apostle Paul? You know, itinerant evangelist, author, speaker, tent maker, traveler, his life reads like an adventure novel. Major chunk of the New Testament comes from this guy's pen. And for heaven's sakes, this passage that we're reading and studying is taken from his, I mean, he's in prison, a Roman prison. Like, it's the worst of the worst places that you could be writing. And he wrote some of the most amazing things prompted by the Spirit of God to the church. And I think there's a couple verses that are given to us about our spiritual lives from Philippians chapter three, verse 12, that I think every one of us should just, maybe not just read, because I think really millions of people have probably memorized these verses, because they're, they're, they're life-giving at some point in your life. So let's look at these together. He says in verse 12, not that I have already reached the goal, but that I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it, because I've been taken hold of by Jesus Christ. I pursue my goal and the prize, you jumped it really fast there. The goal, the prize, he goes on, not that I've already reached the goal, I've already made perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself having taken hold of it yet. This is a powerful statement. He says, there's one thing I want you to know. He says, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Just before we leave that screen, just put it back up for a second here. One thing I do, one thing. When someone says to you, one thing I do, you don't want to miss that because it's underscored. This is really important. He says, forgetting what's behind, reaching toward what's ahead, I pursue my goal. Friends, this is a secret to the Christian life. I think there's kind of three or four movements in these Two verses that are profound for us if we're gonna thrive and really have victory in our Christian lives. Paul says, make your single greatest aim knowing Jesus. 
And when I look at this, I find it's interesting. This spiritual great, the Apostle Paul says to us, the first thing he says, if you wanna be victorious spiritually, be realistic. Live with an honest self-perception. Be realistic, live with an honest self-perception. He says, it's not that I've already reached the goal. It's not that I'm already perfect. And I thought, Paul, I mean, of all people, you're the super apostle. You, Jesus took a hold of you in the Damascus Road. I mean, you're an amazing guy. And he says, hey, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't got everything figured out. When you're in a spiritual leadership position, sometimes people project on you that you have to have spiritual perfection. Remember one time coming home from church, and I lost my cool with the kids, and I was dressing them down about something, my daughter looked up and she said, Dad, if the church could only see you now. It was like a dagger went in my heart. Friends, Paul says, I'm not perfect. I have not arrived. There's still room for growth. There's still work to be done in me and by me. Paul was very aware of the way he was living. He was self-aware, but he wasn't self-absorbed. He wasn't self-consumed. He wasn't self-centered because he said, for me to live as Christ, but he recognized that in living in Christ, there was a progress in his spiritual life. There was a process that was going on. And isn't that true about us? God hasn't done with us yet. He's still changing and forming and shaping us as we walk with Jesus every day. God is, was still perfecting, pruning, shaping, molding Paul. And he says, hey, it's not that I've arrived yet. There's still room to go. I'm not perfect, he said. Spiritual perfection. Here's a good question for you. Are you in a place in your spiritual life where you just, every once in a while, stop and do a little hard audit and say, where am I right now in my relationship with Jesus? You know, how would you describe it right now? Where, where do you stand with God? Are you, are you making great gains and progress? Are you finding it's kind of a little stale and stumbling a little bit? Because the Apostle Paul, I think, is speaking to us. And he says, we need to be about reaching for the prize, reaching for the goal, moving ahead. Jesus had taken hold of Paul on that Damascus road at his conversion. Paul says, Jesus got a hold of me, and he says, and I'm gonna try, and he says, with all my fullness, is to reach and grab hold of all there is of Jesus. I wanna know Jesus. One of the great preachers, a guy by the name of Walverud, he wrote a number of years ago, he said, he says, on one hand, discontent with one's spiritual life, discontent with your spiritual life can bring discouragement and unnecessary resignation to spiritual defeat. On the other hand, in overestimating one's spiritual attainments, it's easy to become complacent. Kind of figure, you know, I kind of arrived with the, you know, the, the measure of transformation. I've, I've made some progress in Jesus. I'm okay with where I'm at. He says, either alternative, being discontent or overconfident, he said, is falling short of the scriptural standard. Paul is teaching here in this section, he says, we don't reach absolute perfection, the kind that exists in heaven or attainment of spiritual victory that makes defeat impossible. No, no, he says, it's never achieved in this life. But he says, listen, but there is the possibility of a higher plateau of victory in Christ. There's always more to know and experience and meet in Jesus. Of joy in the Holy Spirit. Of satisfaction in serving God and letting your life matter for him. Jesus laid hold of Paul, and Paul says, I wanna lay hold of Jesus. And you know the language he uses in these two verses is really an athletic analogy. He pictures himself like an athlete, and he says, I wanna get my mind around the game, the the frame of mind, a way of thinking. I wanna be in the zone. I wanna be focused as I run in my faith, as he would have seen in the great athletic events of the Roman Empire of his day. And here he is writing, and I thought, this is like a shadow of the book of Hebrews when he says, the writer there says, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Another translation says entangles us. 
Let us run, there's the athletic analogy, with endurance, the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Running the race, setting your eyes on the goal. Paul says, I wanna know more of Jesus. He says, I haven't arrived yet. There's a realistic self-appraisal that he says there's more to discover. I hope you have that kind of thirst for more of God in your spiritual life. That there's gonna be more to experience, more places that God may be able to use you and you'll be able to encounter him and be engaged fully with him. Then the Apostle Paul, I think when he says, but there is one thing I wanna really hone in on and that's the second thing. It's not only just be realistic about where you're at in your spiritual journey that you're not perfect yet, you haven't fully arrived, but secondly, he says, be forgetful, <laughs> be forgetful. Live with your back to the past. This is great advice. Our mindset, I think, as followers of Jesus is to pursue the future, not live in the past. He says, this one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, I reach forward to what is ahead. This is a big deal. This one thing, underscore it in your Bibles, this is a thing I do. And this, when I was doing some study on this, you know what really grabbed me? Was that when he talks about forgetting, Paul most often told people to remember. I mean, like three out of four times, you're gonna find way, way more times the Bible say remember. God said to the children of Israel, remember how I took you out of Egypt? Remember how I provided for you? Remember how I led you? Remember all these things? Remember, remember, remember. And, and the apostle Paul said, remember what Jesus has done. Don't forget what God has done. Don't forget how good he is. And he comes to this part and he says, but I want you to forget something. So that catches my attention. The great rem- reminder is saying you need to forget. What are we supposed to forget? The Apostle Paul says, forgetting what lies behind. That means you're not supposed to forget everything in the past, but there are some things. Now, I think in the context, and the theologians that kind of picked, you know, dug this up, they said, and really kind of teased it out, they said, the Apostle Paul is thinking likely of being at one of the great events in the Roman Empire where there's one of these great races that are taking place, because athletics were huge in that day. Greek culture, this is a really big deal. And I can picture the Apostle Paul just in his mind thinking about this, because foot races especially were a great crowd pleaser in their day. They are today. I mean, if you watch these great runners of today, it really is exciting. And I think Paul, when he was writing this, and he's sitting in jail, he's thinking, there's this race one time when the guys were running, and they're going flat out, and they're getting kind of close to the end of the race. And one of the guys lost focus. You know, you know what lose focus is? You kind of glance back and, and, and then the guy lost. And Paul was probably thinking about that and going, I wonder if that can happen to us in our spiritual lives. As you're running a good race for God, but something distracts you and you look back and, and you lose your focus. And, and I, I was thinking in a more current time, this actually happened in 1954 when Roger Bannister broke the four minute mile. He was the fastest man on the planet. A lot of people don't know, there's another guy named John Landry and John actually ran faster than Bannister and, and beat his record, three minutes, 57 seconds. And so the globe was excited about these two guys to run faster than anyone's run before and they were gonna race each other in Vancouver, all places. It was gonna be the British Empire Games, 1954. They're in the race and Landry is ahead of John Bannister. And they're coming around the very last corner and this is a painting of the picture that was taken of them running and on the last sprint to the finish line, Landy looked over his shoulder to the right and Bannister recognized that moment of distraction and he kicked it up and he came by him on the, on the other side and he won the race. And it was like an incredible upset. 
And Landy, when he was interviewed afterwards, he said, when I looked, it broke my focus. When I, when I looked, I, I lost it for a moment. And he lost the race. What do you need to forget in your spiritual life? I think there's three things Paul would speak to us. First one is, forget the wrong that's been done to you. If you want to hinder your spiritual life, you may need to get free of memories Maybe what was done to you in past, somebody offended you in past, someone, some of you are, who are listening and who are watching, you've been hurt enormously. You carry scars in the past that are too personal and so significant. You never share them, but they're, but they're deep wounds. Depressing memories can hang over your heart and mind and can keep you from freedom in Christ. And your mem- memory keeps going back to that painful time and you go back, oh, but there was that thing. And you rehearse it. You might nurse it. (laughs) You just go over it and it's holding you back. Friends, forgiveness isn't natural. But it's essential to let God's grace get a hold of your heart and begin to turn people over to God. Because the reality is you can nurse it, rehearse it, or you can disperse it and reverse it and give it to God. And say, Lord, I've been hurt, but I'm not going to allow it to define my life. Jesus, you look after that person. I don't want anything in my past to hold me back. Lord, I'm going to give it to you. You may have to give it to the Lord over and over again, but is there something in your past, a wrong that was done to you, that you say, this is holding me back? The second thing I think we need to forget is maybe the wrong you've done. There's a wrong that's happened to you, but there's the wrong that you have done. Some of us are saying things like, it isn't what was done to me that was bothered. The reality is it's what, it's the things that I have done or maybe didn't do, but, and those memories plague you, and there's this there's this narrative that plays in your mind because there's a lot of tapes that play inside of us. And one of the tapes that can play is you just don't measure up as a Christian. You blew it. You made this. Do you remember what you did? Do you remember where you went? Do you remember what happened? What what kind of Christian are you? And this tape plays in your mind and it it leads you to defeat. Friends, the the devil is an accuser, the scripture says. That's his job and he does it really well. (laughs) He lures us into trouble, then he reminds us of it. And he keeps you from being in victory. We gotta put ourselves under God's forgiveness and then forgive ourselves. The old enemy, he brings up past mistakes, but if you've confessed it, repented of it, and put it at the feet of Jesus, stop letting those accusations from the enemy keep you from victory. Here's the apostle Paul saying, you know, now let it go. Because I think if he looked in his past, the old accuser could say, hey, look at Paul, you're the guy that actually authorized the killing of the Christians before you came to Christ. Who do you think you are? But what will Paul's answer be? I'm under grace. Jesus has got a hold of me, and I need to let it go. If you confess, repent, and forsake it, Jesus says he'll forgive us. Forgive yourself. Put the past behind you. Walk in who you are in Christ Jesus. He died so you wouldn't have to. He bore your sin so you wouldn't bear it. Rather, give it to him so you can walk free. And you can say, Jesus, I'm ashamed. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And then leave it there. And then instead of picking it back up, as one guy said, you know, he says, throw your sins in the deepest sea because God puts up a sign that says no fishing. Just leave it there. The things in the past. You know, when I was stepping away from Beulah and retiring after pastoring for you know four decades it was very interesting experience at first I gotta say I was overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude to God for his kindness and I could just I saw so many I loved the church I loved the journey we did together I loved seeing lives transformed and people getting baptized and people being set free I loved it but then something began to happen in my heart 
I began to hear another voice that was saying, you know what? You could have done better. You could have led better. What about back in such and such a time? You know, you could have led that staff meeting better. Or you could have, you could have started two or three more things than got started if you had been a better leader. If you had been, if you had been, if only, do you hear what the tapes are? And, and one day I was sitting there and I was actually feeling kind of blue. And I was just like, oh man, I, just, I feel like, I feel like I may have just let God down. And I was like, the Holy Spirit said to me, whose voice is this? It's not Jesus. He's not the accuser. And that's not to say that I did everything right, because I mean, everybody can go back and say, I wish I had a do-over and a few things along the way. But here's the reality is, I just needed to give it to Jesus. And say, you know, Lord, we're gonna put that behind us, because you're not done yet. Friends, forget the wrong you've done or mistakes you've made or the things you've dropped. You're in Christ, you're accepted, you're loved, you're forgiven. Stand in the standing you have in him. We can learn from the, we can look at the past, we can learn from the past, but you can't live in the past. We've got to give our past to Jesus. When it comes to our defeats, we've got to forget our injuries and wounds and let God heal those things. Otherwise, we bound like captives to them, either what was done to us or we did in the past. But then Paul really surprises me. It's not just the wrong that would be done to you because he would know some things. It's not just the things that you may have made a mistake, but I think in the passage is actually a third reality and is that we need to forget the good we've done, <laughs> the victories. In this passage, think about it, the Apostle Paul, he says, a few verses up, do you remember what he said? If anyone has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And he went through it and he talked about his birth and his upbringing and legalistic righteousness. And he goes through those things. The pedigree and experience. And he says, as he talks about those things, I have all those things. He goes, I consider it but rubbish, garbage. He uses even stronger language. Doesn't smell good. He says, I just consider it garbage, rubbish. For the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus and his grace and his forgiveness and his life in me. Isn't that great? The Apostle Paul says, I don't put confidence in me, I put confidence in Jesus. I think when the Apostle Paul says, I forget what's behind and I'm looking at Christ, he says, there's my failures, the things that happened to me, happened by me, there's the things that, that the great victories, but I'm just gonna put it all before Jesus. And he says, and I'm gonna look ahead rather than looking back. Friends, listen, the Christian life is to be lived through the windshield, not the rearview mirror, amen? I know a lot of people who live in the rearview mirror rehearsing, you know, letting old tapes play of destructive self-thought. The windshield's way bigger than the rearview mirror. We gotta be looking into the future, not the past. Paul's not looking over his shoulder. You can't run a race running backward. You gotta turn your heart and mind to the present race and toward the goal. Matter of fact, when the Apostle Paul says, I'm looking toward the goal line, the actual Greek word there is skopos, which is a, a word that means to look into the distance. We get the word scope from it. You know what a scope is? It's to look at the distance. He says, I'm looking toward the finish line. I'm looking toward the prize. My eyes are set on the future. I'm not going back. I'm, not, I'm done with sin. I'm done with that old life. I'm not listening to those tapes anymore. I'm writing a new life story for me. And that is, I'm gonna be a child of God, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I want my life to matter for Jesus, amen? This is the kind of life God's calling us to. Live looking through the windshield, not the rearview mirror. 
Gordon MacDonald once explained that he tried to figure out why he liked some elderly people more than others, just naturally is drawn to them. And, and then he discovered, he says, I enjoy the people who are still looking toward the future rather than just simply reminiscing about the past. He says, we need to forget the past and recognize God is still at work and he's still doing a new, new thing. So what is the nature of forgetting? I think it's the kind of forgetting that he's speaking of here is the kind that occurs when we cease to let things that are in the past overshadow the present. James Boyce says, let the past be past, both the good and the bad, and constantly look forward to the work that God has yet to do. God's not done with you yet. I mean, we just navigate our way through, through COVID, but now let's move on to the future. God isn't done yet. Let's lean into it. Friends, you need to choose sometimes not to remember. You gotta choose sometimes to look forward. Worry won't change the past, so forget what can't be changed and focus on the future. Happiness requires letting go and learning to forget. Here's a question for you. What do you need to, f- to let go of from the past so that you can focus on the future? When it comes to perfection, can you be realistic? When it comes to the past, can you be forgetful? But the Apostle Paul says, but you don't stop there. He, he gives us another critical key in our journey. He says, when it comes to the prize, you gotta be focused. You need to be realistic. You need to be forgetful. But he says, you need to be focused. Third point is, listen, he says, don't just be forgetful, but be focused. Live with a worthwhile goal. Paul says, here's one thing I do. I've forgotten this stuff in the past. And he says, I'm looking to Jesus and I'm moving forward to the future. I've set my eyes on Jesus and his power for my life. And he says, I am pressing to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. I think this is what he says, God has a goal in mind. So here's a question. What goal does God have in mind for you? What's the prize? So you say, well, I guess heaven. Well, that would be one prize. But you know, I think another goal that God has is to make you and me more like Jesus. It says in Romans chapter 28, we know 28, but verse 29, I'm gonna just share these two verses. Paul says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. God can fit those things together. For those he foreknew, he predestined. Those people he took hold of, he took hold of you and he took hold of me, that we could know forgiveness and grace in his son. So that we can what? Be conformed to the image of his son. We can be conformed to be like Jesus. Friends, what's God's purpose for your life? He wants you to be more like Jesus. More like the likeness of his son. To be more and more conformed to the beauty of Christ that you would live your life as though he was in your place. And this is a lifetime goal. God's goal is not just to save you and forgive your past. He has an incredible future to transform you and he starts now and he'll finish it in heaven. But he's at work to change you. Are you letting him change you? Paul says, hey, I'm not yet perfect. I don't have it all together. God's not finished with me yet. But this I know, I am looking to the future of what he's gonna do in me. On this side of heaven, God is seeking progress and not perfection. A little history here. You know, the Jewish people, if you went back to the first century world there, the Jewish people had history kind of in two stages. They called it the present stage and kind of the future age to come. They thought that when Messiah would come, he would set everything right. The Messiah would come and he would usher in his kingdom and his rulership and things would go back to the way they were meant to be when God created things. The world would be made perfect again. And the present age is a time where there's evil and sin is present. People suffer and 
And, and it's as though God is not in control, but he is, and there's some suffering this side, but when the Messiah would come in that age, everything would be made perfect. And everyone would know God, and it would be all okay. But you know what? Actually, the Bible teaches something different. When Jesus came, he not only forgave us when he died on the cross and conquered death and rose from the dead, and he puts us positionally right with him, that we are made right. The righteousness of Christ is credited to our account. It's, we're right before God because of Jesus. And, and we taste a little touch of that new life we have in Christ. But the old age kind of overlaps with the present age. We kind of experience both at the same time. Even though we believe in Christ, we're still tempted to sin. Even though we trust in Christ, we've been made new. We can still be lured by the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The Apostle Paul in Romans 7 says, hey, I, at times I recognize the tension, the things I want to do, I don't do. And and, and he struggles with that, and he, he was so thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit in his life where we can find victory. So I think what Paul is saying here, he's saying, listen, I've not yet reached the goal of becoming like Christ. There's still room for me to go. And I'll never reach it until Christ comes. But what I'm gonna do in the meantime is I'm gonna press on. I'm gonna press into this. I wanna take hold all that Jesus has for me. Because he came, he died on the cross, he rose again, I can become like him. And the problem is that the influence of this age may lure me to sin, but the reality is I can have victory in Christ and there'll come a day when this present age is over. And we will be perfect like Christ and sin will be vanquished once for all. So the Apostle Paul often said, I just long for Jesus to come back and usher in that new day. Friends, we're living in the in-between time, aren't we? Having made perfect in Christ positionally, but we're experientially we're being changed more and more like Christ until it's finally culminated when Jesus comes. Paul says, forget the past. Lean into the present and lean into the future. He says, I set my sights on the prize of the upward call of Christ. So it's a good question to ask yourself. What, what, what do you set your sights on? You know, friends, there's other narratives in our culture. Our culture will set your sight on acquisition. Set your sights on just experientialism, like you can get, you know, get a buzz, get a thrill, get the, the quick and easy run, or you can set your eyes, because if it's, he says, it's, it's like a scope, you're, you're setting your eyes on a long-term goal. You, you discipline yourself because of the wonder of that goal. I talked to a person who is going to compete in the Olympic Games, and I said, what did it require for you in terms of discipline of what you would do in order for you to win that game? And they were talking about their diet and the exercise and the getting up early and all oh, the demands that were there. Well, how would you want to put yourself through all of that? Why? Because I have this incredible day when there'll come a day when I'm going to stand before someone and they're going to you know, put the gold medal around your neck. I think this is the image that Paul had, and he kind of picked that up out of the sporting world, and he was saying, friends, wouldn't it be great if we ran toward Jesus and, and, and we put the things off that are holding us back. We ran toward Jesus so one day we get before him, he put the prize over our neck and he'd say, well done, good and faithful servant. You ran toward me. You ran with me. You wanted to know me more. Do you know something? I bumped into some believers and I'll say, What's, tell me about a great time that God worked in your life. And they'll say, well, back in 1962. I'm like, that was a long time ago. Has anything happened since then? Well, no, not really. Why don't you play, put yourself in the kind of places, with the kind of people, the kind of opportunities where you're leaning into Jesus and you're saying, God, I want you to do more. I want you to do more. I want to know you more. And because and, I'll tell you something, 
what I've discovered in my spiritual life is whenever I moved into a, an assignment for God, when he prompted and he began to move to it, I discovered that I was leaning into Jesus in ways I'd never leaned into him before. You know, after I had stepped away from Buell, I got a call. They said, would you come and be, for eight months, would you fill in an interim role providing denominational leadership for 500 churches and 150 missionaries? And, and I looked at it and I, I thought, well, I, I could do that for a while. I got into the position. About the second day, I thought, what have you done? Um, there was so much onboarding, so many things to learn. And they gave me a computer and a, a, another cell phone and they, all the protocols and all the people. And they said, you've got, you've got to meet with all these people. There was more people to meet with than you can imagine. There were so many things to doing it. And I remember saying, Lord, why have you got me doing this? And as time went on, I was praying, oh, Jesus, I need your help. I should have just finished when I finished. What am I doing, doing this for? And then I recognized that Jesus was working in me in new ways with new discoveries and new encounters and I was praying like I hadn't prayed saying Jesus help. You ever been there? Are you living looking through the windshield putting yourself in the places with the kind of people and the kind of opportunities where you're drawing into Jesus in deeper ways? Friends, you're not done yet. September 19th, my mom passed away and I was sitting beside her bed. It's a very interesting experience to go through. It was just me and her. I looked down at her and I was thinking, this is amazing. Mom died about the same time as the queen did because the queen died on September 8th and mom died on the 19th. Uh, Elizabeth was 96, my mom was 98. My mom was British. They wore the same dress styles when I was growing up they often wore their hair about the same way and they kind of looked alike. I always figured the queen must be some distant relative because mom was British, they were British. When mom died, there were no crowds outside the hospital. There was no headlines in the paper, no announcements on television, no mention in parliament, no notice to the nation. In her nursing home room, there was just silence. I looked down and I said, she's gone. I thought, wow, almost a century of life. But I was thinking, you know what Queenie and Mom shared? <laughs> a love for Jesus. Because they both would hear that incredible, incredible trumpet sounding of arriving in heaven. Because Mom won admittance to heaven, the only throne room that really matters through faith in Jesus Christ. Not because she was a good woman or a great woman, but because she was forgiven by Jesus and loved her Lord. But you know something, when we were doing her service of memorial, I thought, mom lived her life with a prize in mind that one day she'd be with Jesus. And I watched her over the blank number of years I've been alive, I'm gonna tell you. I watched her and I was thinking, mom knew how to forgive and forget she knew how to put the past behind her. And, and one of the nurses walked into her room, one of the caregivers, and teared up and they said, you know, we called your mom auntie because she just kept loving us right to the end. And I was thinking, mom lived for like, I don't know, anybody here under 30, well, don't have to put your hand up, but some of you are, but my mom lived for 30 more years than, than I've been alive, plus, over, over 30 years more. And I was thinking, that means that I, if I live to be as old as her, I have your entire lifetime yet ahead of me. Which, I'm too tired. 
Am I living, looking in the rearview mirror? Am I looking through the windshield? So the Apostle Paul gives us a fourth key in these couple verses. He says, be devoted. Live with a passionate pursuit. Because the Apostle Paul, using again this athletic analogy, he uses this word, and the Greek word, I won't try to say it because John, who's Greek, is here and he'll correct me. But the word means to exert oneself, to stretch out, to strain towards something. He says, I, I press on. I take every effort to take hold of it. Every effort. And, and actually, this idea is that he says, I am stretching forward with everything that's in my being in order to do this. And it's the picture of a runner who, you know when they get to the finish line, what do they do? They throw their chest out, right? And they, they, they just push their way through the finish line. The Apostle Paul grabs that image and he says, I want to run that way through my life toward Jesus to the end. I'm going to pursue the prize. I want to seek Jesus. I look at these words and Paul says, attain to reach to strive, giving our utmost for Jesus. First Corinthians 9, he says, don't you know all the runners in the stadium race, but only one receives the prize? He goes, run as though you want the prize. Let me net this out for us. Half-hearted followership of Jesus is, is tepid Christianity. It's like salt without a savor. You're not at home in this world nor at peace with God. Paul is not gonna have anything of that. He's not gonna just kind of coast along with a lukewarm Christianity. No, no, not the apostle. He says, having been taken hold of Jesus, knowing that he's a living Lord and his Holy Spirit lives in me and I'm part of an adventure of following after God, I wanna place my life in the kind of circumstance where I can be with Jesus. Now I want you to underscore something. This isn't working for your salvation. This isn't about trying to measure up. This is about just full abandonment to Jesus. Complete surrender. Obedience. To net it out, when I was a little boy, we used to sing a hymn in church that went like this. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Trust and obey. Obey in the next thing that God puts before your heart. Put the past behind you and look forward and say, Jesus, I'm walking with you. I want to know you more. I want to experience you more. I want to I serve you more because you have been so good to me. You know, in life, you only have a limited amount of energy. That's why most of us get tired or fatigued. That's why we get worn out. Since we only have a limited amount of energy, I'd highly recommend you don't waste it on the past. <laughs> but instead, lean into the future what's in front of you and what lies ahead. To know Jesus and become like him. And one day we'll stand before God and he'll put the prize over our neck and say, oh, well done, good and faithful service. Come on, man, I love you. That'll be good, won't it? Would you bow with me in prayer? Maybe the spirit of God is speaking to you and you say, you know, I've been kind of looking back lately and uh, I've been rehearsing wrongs that have happened, or I've been listening to the accuser's voice that says you don't measure up, you're not good enough, and it's a lie. Jesus is adequate for everything you need. Friends, maybe you become complacent, and you say, you know, I'm actually kind of coasting right now in my spiritual life. The apostle Paul would say, jump up, pay attention, chase after him with all of your heart. Put yourself with people, places, opportunities where you can find Jesus in new ways. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the wonderful life we have in Christ, for your enormous faithfulness. 
May we be found faithful to trust you, to rest in you, to obey you, and long for more of you. As the Apostle Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. May it be true of us, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening and thank you for giving. Your giving makes this podcast possible and helps us share this message with others. If today's message made you realize that you need to take your next step with Jesus, we'd love to help you with that. The easiest way to do that is by going to beulah.family on your browser. On that page, you'll find our social media links, links to upcoming events, and a link to give. And don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We'll see you soon.